Good morning, church. Now, I have a very important guest speaker come all the way from Sri Lanka. What do you know about Sri Lanka? It's a beautiful, beautiful island. Once upon a time called the um, pearl of the Indian Ocean. But unfortunately, those that are living in the western side of the world, we heard all the bad things about this country, like, you know, corruption, injustice, suffering. Last year, its economy totally collapsed and people are suffering. But against that backdrop where Christianity comes to less than 2% of the population and dominant number of people are Buddhist, against that harsh backdrop, God raised up a few Christian leaders whose ministry expands outside Sri Lanka, all over Asia, and even all over the world. And the speaker that God sent us this morning from Sri Lanka is one whose ministry is so prominent, and he had a message for the people of Australia. The Parliament of Australia invited him to speak, and he went there, he spoke, and he received, I heard, a few standing ovations of the Parliament members. And his message was so powerful that the United Nations also invited him. And he came to the United Nations headquarters in New York and he delivered his message. But above all, Roshan Mendes means friendships, great friend to me. And then he's the man who bought me this kurta in Colombo last fall. So ladies and gentlemen, Without further ado, would you welcome my friend, Pastor Roshan Mendes. Thanks, David. Talk about no pressure. <laughs> I hope I won't disappoint you. So, as David was saying, I come from Sri Lanka, and uh, that's exactly 12 hours and 30 minutes away from here. So, while you start your morning, we are winding down on the other side. And it's kind of exactly the opposite side of where we are from. I'm married. I have a son who is 31 years old. That's because I got married at the age of 12. I'm kidding. <laughs> And um, my story is such that I started off in hotel management. I, um, my family had a chain of guest houses. My father, I was the only son. My father was expecting me to uh, take on that work when the Lord called me into the ministry to work amongst the villagers. And that's where I went and my focus was there. Um, in the middle of that, as David was saying, in 1983... Uh, there was a very bad period in our history, which we call Black July. And uh, <clears throat> on the 29th of July, 1983, I was picked up on mistaken identity as and identified as a terrorist. And as a result, um, an order was given that I should be shot. 
the order was to be carried out. And I stand here before you today because a gun jammed and a bullet did not fire. God works in mysterious ways. I'm not, a, I'm not a essentially a brave man, but God has taken me through many life and death situations since. Uh, given the kind of country that I came from, we went through 30 years of civil conflict and war, and many times I've had to cross into the war zone, uh, risking my life. Some stories I have not even told my wife. But that's kind of where I've come from, and God has brought me through all of that. And as David was saying, I never ever imagined that I would ever cross my shores in my life. As I was saying, my ministry was focused on rural missions, but then the Lord had other plans for me. Uh, so I'm grateful to God for that, and I'm grateful to be here. And thank you for your invitation. Thank you for having me over. Thank you for being able to bless you with his word. So as we come before him, shall we just bow down. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The United States is something that is very famous for uh, talent. And today... What we have today before us, I believe the text that is being looked at uh, is a text on the talents. And I've been asked to preach by Pastor Jesse on the talent of, I mean the parable of the talents. How many of you are familiar with that? Many, many of us are familiar with that. So... Hopefully, this is not going to be a repetition of what you already know. But I would like to focus on a few things and share with you from that. So as I was saying, the United States and America has so much of interest in talent. The, uh, America's Got Talent is one of those things, and it is told that in 2021... 8.9 million people watched the Grammys, sorry, in 2022, last year. In 2022, uh, 25 million watched also the, uh, sorry, the 64th was 8.9 million and in 2022 it was 15.36 million that watched the Academy Awards. So when we're talking about talent, that's something that you're all very familiar with. But somebody said, one man who kind of started this whole thing off, he said, talent is on loan from God. And today I want us to look at Jesus' story. The story of Jesus in which he talks about these talents. And that is, I believe, also the most abused of the talents. Because contrary to what we often think about this passage, the talents are not essentially talking about some kind of economic prosperity. 
or some kind of special birth talent that you might have. If you look at the context of this passage, it's placed after another parable that Jesus gives. And that might be a parable that you're familiar with. And that whole context in this passage in Matthew chapter 25, uh, and uh, sorry, chapter 24, starts off a whole discourse about the coming of the Lord. Its context, it's eschatological. And that's where it is. The parable of the ten maidens before it portrays the kingdom of God. And we find Jesus telling these two parables. And then after that in Matthew 25, we have the story of the sheep and the goats as well. The first parable, the parable of the ten maidens or virgins as they're called, emphasizes the need to be prepared. The parable of the talents emphasizes the need to be productive. The first emphasizes watching. The second emphasizes working. So what do these talents represent? There's a common understanding, as I was saying, that the parable is about the need to put our natural gifts and skills and talents in that sense to use in the kingdom of God. I have a gift of, I don't, have a gift of playing the piano, someone might say. And so I need to use that for the kingdom of God. Another might say, I have the gift of speaking, and so I'm going to be a preacher. But when we look at the parable in this sense, we are misled. Because that is not what it is talking about. In this parable, we see two types of disciples. One, the faithful disciple, and the second, the fearful disciple. And what does this mean? As we begin, have you ever wondered what a talent was worth in today's dollars? Any ideas? Any ideas? We often think of it as a fairly small amount of money. But actually, a talent is a huge amount of money. Literally, if you look at it in today's value, it would have been close to a million dollars. Because it was a whole, one talent was equal to almost a year's wages. So imagine the guy that got five talents. So if you thought the one who got one talent got a very you know, bad deal and a measly deal from the Lord, that's really not true. Because he got a pretty good amount from the Lord. Sorry, not one year. Roughly 20 years of wages, my mistake. Because a denarii, as it was, was a common laborer's daily wage. And so, we see the call here to be faithful and to invest wisely. When we look at investments in American history, 
We hear of John Gray, who invested 10,500 in the stock of Ford Motor Company in 1903. When it was bought back by Ford, it was 26.25 million. Asa Kendler bought the recipe from Coca-Cola, uh, uh, from John Pemberton, for 2,300 in 1891. The same recipe was sold in 1923 for 25 million. Peter Thiel, who invented the Facebook, invested 500,000 in the company in 2005. Today, you know what it's worth. It's worth over 700 million. In the parable, the return of investment is certain, but the timing of the return of the master is uncertain. The return of investment is certain, but the timing of the return of the master is uncertain. And so we have a call as faithful disciples to know that there is an urgency in what we are doing. To be productive, to be faithful in what the Lord has entrusted to us. And I met many Christians who consider, like the words of that song from, I think it was Jim Reeves who says, you know, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, right? And so all we live for, from the time of our salvation, is till we are lifted up, till we get to heaven. But the question that I ask is then why on earth are you on earth? If heaven was the goal that the Lord had for you, why did he not, from the moment of your salvation, lift you up? But he leaves you here for a purpose. And we have to work. And so as I was saying, that jammed bullet in 1983 was a turning point for my life. It was a turning point for me to realize that the Lord had a certain purpose for me. And it was only later when I was telling this story to my mom, she told me, way before that, you survived. And I asked, what do you mean? She said, you know, you were a breech baby. I said, I don't know that. But he, she said, you know what happened? When the doctors were going to deliver you, they found you lying across the top of my womb with your head upward. Right up like that. And to date, you know, I, I sleep like that. <laughs> Maybe I can never sleep in a fetal position. And so when they had to do the C-section, they, they discovered that the water had turned toxic. And for some reason, I had decided that was not safe to put myself into that, in the fetal position. So I had turned my head up, laid, laid myself way right across her, her womb that way. 
And when they took me out, she said I had rashes all over my back because of the toxins in that. But had I been the way that I should have been, I would not have survived. And so, I realized that the Lord had something for me, something bigger than myself. And that's what the Lord calls all of us to. When he goes away and he's coming back, he gives us that interim space to do something for his kingdom. How many of us pray the Lord's prayer? Not as a mantra. And one of the first few lines we say is, and I'd love to see that about the kingdom that you had on your screen and to think that Grace Community is a church that is committed to the kingdom. And what was our prayer and what is our prayer? And when he told the disciples not to pray it like a parrot repeating it, of course, but the principles of that, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so you and I have that task of bringing on earth his kingdom as it is in heaven. And that is the task that he has aligned and delegated to each one of us until he returns. Matthew 28 verses 18 and 20 when he said, Therefore go... What did he contextualize that passage with? Matthew 28 verses 18 says what? All authority? Why did he not say only heaven? Why did he have to say all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me? Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. We regain the authority of God on earth as his disciples and that is the task that he calls us to. And so as productive disciples, what we do with the talents is what we do with the task that he has entrusted to us. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 and verse 11 and says, you are God's handiwork. Created in Christ to do good work. We all know Ephesians 2 and verse 8, right? For by grace you have been saved. Not by works. But the rest of that is unto good works. And God calls each one of us to be productive in his kingdom. And the first two whom we entrusted those talents to, was about being productive with what God has given us. The final servant, the third servant, was a fearful disciple, as I would call it. And when he comes to answer the Lord, we know more about Jesus than we know about him. Because he turns around and he says, Lord, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. 
Of course. It is not the Lord who is on this earth who is sowing the seed, scattering it and gathering it. It is you and I who are sowing the seed, scattering it and gathering it. And that is the task that he has entrusted to us. And the disciple or that servant was right when he said, Lord, you don't do it, we do it. You make us do it. But that's what he expects of us. It's not a question of Jesus kind of taking advantage of this servant. What does he do? It might seem odd, but he goes and buries it. At that time, we work in the humanitarian sector. And in some of our countries that we work in, and even in our own nation, we face a lot of flooding. In one of the tools for disaster preparedness, what do we tell people? Normally, you would put your valuables in some kind of cupboard and lock it up. You do that when a flood comes, what happens? You lose it, right? We tell people, you dig a hole in the ground in your house, put it in there. Once the flood has gone away, you can take it out. It won't get washed away when your house goes down. And likewise, at that time, it was something common to do to bury it in the ground. You might have thought, you know, imagine burying a million dollars in the ground. But that was how they safeguarded their valuables. There was nothing unusual about that. So it's not about our abilities, but this is a passage about being productive, about being working until he returns, fulfilling that task which he has delegated to us. There are many stories of failures in history. You probably have heard of them. It says that Einstein was four years old before he could speak and seven before he could read. I wonder what his mom thought of him. Isaac Newton made it, did very poorly in grade school. The newspaper fired Walt Disney because he had no good ideas. <laughs> History has many failures that have made it. All of them were willing to succeed because they took the risk. And that's what Jesus told him. He said, if you had at least invested it, you'd have got something more. How much are you and I willing to risk for the kingdom of God? 
How much are we willing to do that? When you try things for God, it's impossible to run out of resources. I love the first song that we sang. I think it said something about that nothing is impossible with the Lord, right? And that's so true. William Carey, called the father of modern mission, who birthed mission, the Baptist mission in the UK, said, classic statement, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. This servant did not even attempt. And that's what the Lord found fault with. What are you doing with what the Lord has placed in your hands? When the disciples came to Jesus, when they were feeding the 5,000, or the 5,000 were following him, what did he say? They went to Jesus and said, Lord, these people are hungry, we need to do something. He said, you feed them. They said, what? And what was his next question? What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? What has the Lord given you? I'm not talking just about natural abilities and talents. There are many things that the Lord has given you. Powers, positions, privileges. Not just only your talents. How do you use them? Ever heard of Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball was a shoe salesman. He didn't have an education. He wasn't famous. He wasn't rich. But he had a friendship with a young man. And that man was D.L. Moody. who became a man who began the Moody Institute, the Moody Missionary Aviation, the Moody Broadcasting, and all of that. And it was Kimball who led D.L. Moody to Christ. During Moody's life, he was preaching in England. And one of the pastors that received him was F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer joined Moody's evangelistic ministries. And Meyer's Bible teaching, as it is familiar and famous, preached a young preacher, Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman went on to do some evangelistic work. Chapman's crusade reached a clerk of the YMCA. And that man's name was Billy Sunday. Sunday preached all across North America and in Charlotte. And in Charlotte, they invited a preacher that was going around, Mordecai Ham, who was called the cowboy evangelist. And during one of his meetings, a teenager came to know the Christ, came to know Christ. And that man was Billy Graham. The rest is history. 
It all began with one man, a clerk, a shoe salesman who was also a Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball. What has the Lord placed in your hands? Today as we come before him, never underestimate what you might have. Allow me to share another personal story. I said I have one son, I also had a daughter who passed away and went to be with the Lord at the age of seven. And one day, we were on the mission field, we were returning back to the field in our vehicle, in the van, and uh, we ran into a flash flood and a, and a body of water. I thought the, I could get through the water, but my van stalled in the middle of the water. And it was pitch dark, there was no electricity, there was no way of getting across. I was wondering whether I'm going to get into the water, tried to fire the engine, didn't work. And the kids, my son and my daughter, were getting a little worried and anxious and began to whimper. My son began to whimper and my wife said, let's not get worried, let's pray. Who's going to pray? My daughter was so little she could hardly put her words together. She said, me. And before we could say, okay, go ahead, she started the prayer and she said, Lord, uh, sorry, she said, Jesus, help Van go. That was it. The moment that she finished her prayer, somebody bumped me in the rear and I thought, oh my goodness, not now. And then this guy flashes his torch, I mean, flashes his lights and he has the audacity to bump me again. And then he starts pushing me. And I was in gear trying to ignite the engine and so this was jerking along. Then I realized, okay, he's trying to get me out of the water. So then I kept turning the ignition on with the car in gear, with the van in gear. And every time it would fire and stall, it would be bump, 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 bump. And I went back over that road. It was at least a half a kilometer of water that we crossed. We got to the edge of the water, the engine fired, I put it on idle, got off the vehicle in the pouring rain. I had to thank this guy, despite the way I was feeling about what had happened to my van. And there wasn't anybody. I went to look at the damage on my van. There was not a dent, there was not a scratch. Half a kilometer of bumping with every gear shift. Forgot about it. I was sharing this with some of my friends and they said, you know, Roshan, do you think it could have been an angel? I said, huh? Angels drive, drive pickup trucks? <laughs> I thought they come with wings and kind of take you out. <laughs> Jesus helped Van go. Never underestimate what you have in your hand. Three loaves, five fish. Fed a 5,000. Are you a faithful disciple? Using what the Lord has given you? Or are you fearful? The Lord has blessed each one of you immensely. 
And as you look around you and at the world around you, there is so much more that he has given. Are you willing to serve him with what you have in your hands? Shall we pray? Father God, as we come before you, we acknowledge your presence, we acknowledge your goodness and your blessings in our lives. Father, there are more than 10,000 reasons that we have to bless your name and to give you thanks. And Lord, as we come together as your people, we ask, Father, for your forgiveness for the many times in which we have missed out on those opportunities to be productive that you have placed across our path with our time, with our possessions, with our privileges. Father, forgive us. May we not hear those words that that third servant heard. But Father, give us the boldness and the courage to risk to be willing to place our lives in your hands, knowing that there is no safer place than in the palm of your hands. As we pause before him, if any one of you feels in any way that there have been opportunities, there have been circumstances and situations in which you have allowed them to pass, And in hindsight, as you look back, you wish you hadn't. This might be a morning in which you come before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for that. I want to come and offer to you what I have. If you have been arguing with the Lord saying, Lord, all I have is seemingly so measly. Ask his forgiveness for that. Now if you're feeling that you really don't know what to do, come before him saying, Lord, here am I. Use me, send me. And so Lord, we come before you asking for the anointing of your spirit that we might go in your name Knowing that with you, nothing is impossible. Knowing that you are the God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you as we go in his name.